1: We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, Have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's guest is Darlene Swamver. Darlene's a dressage show jumping and eventing coach and trainer. She's also an active show jumping competitor. She enjoys supporting her students to ride, to be more confident in life and overcoming personal challenges. How are you, Darlene?
0: I'm good, yourself?
1: Excellent. Darlene, we normally start off with a favourite quote. Have you got one for us?
0: Uh, I sure do. So one of the things that I have heard all through my writing career and um, definitely something I teach is you can only truly understand what you're doing when you complete the circle of knowledge. This is learning, doing and teaching.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. And, and it, I know, you know, you're, you're on the horse or you're teaching sometimes and you almost have to go through it in your mind, what would I be doing right now in this situation and this is what I can tell my student to do.
0: That's correct. Yeah. And, and I, I think you um, only fully appreciate something when you have to try and explain it to someone else how to do it.
1: Mm, mm, for sure, for sure. Tallinn, how did you start with horses? What are your first memories?
0: So my start with horses was due to immigrating and that was around the struggles around immigrating specifically and what my my parents actually chose to do was to get me into horse riding to to socialize me for lack okay. of a better term okay. and through that I needed an outlet My first memories of was a horse called Paddy. He was a horse that I learned to ride on, very Mm -hmm. fond memories of him. And it was around the lunging, my first few lessons of of being on a horse, feeling so happy and on top of the world and and learning these new skills. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, how old were you when you emigrated?
0: So I was 10.
1: Okay. And where from?
0: Uh, South Africa.
1: Okay. Okay. Just so I could pick up a little bit of an accent, but couldn't quite get it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes.
1: So you remembered the lessons on Paddy, and you felt, you know, because I I talk to some people, and they almost shudder when they talk about their early experience with horses. You know, getting on horses just in a paddock with no saddle or bridle. But your lessons with Paddy, they are on the lunge, and you learn to ride, and you felt quite safe in that environment. Then.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I was. It was a riding school environment. Uh, my mum, when she was of a similar age she had also been in a writing school environment. So she she put me straight into that Mm -hmm. scenario because she had done well with that and she wanted the same for me.
1: Good, good. Now, going on then to become a coach, what made you decide that you, you know, you'd sort of obviously gone out, competed, done well, that you wanted to start teaching people? How did that come about?
0: That was because of my coach. Okay. He always, guided me to be able to pass information on uh, whether it was back to him or other students that happened to be in the lesson he was always encouraging me to say Mm -hmm. okay now if you were to teach this how would you explain it or or what would you do differently Or, or what how might you say it differently so right from a very early age he was there encouraging me to coach and so becoming an instructor just for me, felt natural. It was the direction I wanted to go. I'd seen the benefits in it helping me and helping others within the riding school and and I wanted to be able to give back in that way.
1: And what a great mentor to have a riding coach that's encouraging you to coach and encourage and that would also have helped with your socialisation and everything else, wouldn't it?
0: Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he he was one of a kind.
1: There's so much more to horses than just riding, isn't there?
0: Oh, there certainly is. (laughs)
1: Okay, now, Darlene, if someone would like to start and have a career with horses, you know, thinking about your students, what would you tell them? What are the core skills and character traits they should have before they start?
0: Some of the things I'd say is you have to have resilience, patience and time. You've got to appreciate that your partner that you're working with is an animal. You don't speak the same language and it takes time to build that relationship So those core skills that I say, patience, time, some resilience, because you have your highs, you have your lows, like you would in in any human relationship. Uh, It's the same when it comes to horse riding, because you are working with an animal and quite a large one at that.
1: Yes, and a a quite often unpredictable one.
0: (laughs) Temperamental. They can definitely be temperamental.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Darlene, thinking about... The horses, what's the best thing about working with horses?
0: Oh, I love watching my riders and my horses accomplish something. And it doesn't matter whether it's just a simple movement, jumping a jump or overcoming a challenging feeling, like a fear with cantering, for example. Mm-hmm. But watching either the horse and or rider work through it and come out the other end, that for me is the most rewarding feeling as, as a coach.
1: Yeah, yeah. Tell us, now you talked about your instructor, you know, the coach. Is there anyone else who's influenced you and sort of helped you along or was he just the main person that got you going?
0: He definitely got me going, but like in the horse industry, we're very fortunate there are a lot of people around and so many knowledgeable people around as well. Mm-hmm. So I've I've got two coaches um, who I still get lessons from, so I never stop learning. So I have Ben Etterfield, who I regularly have lessons with, um, Paul Williams. I've also got the support of my local jumping branch, so who I'm a, a committee member of. So we've got Andrew, Barb, Karen. It, it's a community. And yep. without the community, I wouldn't be as successful as I am. Um, I wouldn't have the support that I have. And often with these people, I'm, I'm traveling around the state, competing, going to clinics, doing what I need to do to... The better myself, but also better myself to be able to better some of my students.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And what about competing on one horse at the moment, or you've got a couple?
0: I've only got the one horse that I'm competing at show jumping mm. and uh, he, I, I, it's funny because I started with a, a chestnut off the track thoroughbred who, yep. who taught me so many of the skills now and I seem to have done a complete 360 <laughs> and I'm, I'm back to an off the track <laughs> chestnut thoroughbred. Yep, yep,
1: <laughs> yep. What's his name?
0: His name's Manny, his paddock name's Manny, but his racing name and competition name is Imani uh-huh. And I was he was bred on Flinders Island, was raced within the Sprayton region of Tasmania, uh-huh. and he was a little bit too smart for the track. He just always ran for the gate rather than running around the track. <laughs> Uh, So I was um, fortunate enough to get him as a three-year-old. He's now a six-year-old and he's comfortably competing at a metre 10. And this next season we're looking at moving up to about a metre 20. So very skilled, very um, willing, and certainly a very special horse in my heart at the moment. Now that, you know, like you you sort
1: of said it as an offhanded comment, but I'm sure it would have been a bit more than that. Him going back to the gate... Did he do that yes. when, he got, when you first got him?
0: Oh, yes. So when I first started working with him in the arena, I was cantering and next thing he was just pulling towards the gate and yep. my right rein wasn't quite working as well as it should have been. And it took me a few months just focusing purely on the flat work and teaching him. And when he started understanding that we weren't just running in a circle every day and that we got to do different things, he went, oh, this isn't all that bad anymore. So, yeah, I'll, I'll actually listen to that right right now. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you said it almost as an offhanded comment, but, you know, it obviously stopped him racing. And, uh, yes. and um, it would have stopped a lot of other riders as well, you know. So what sort of things, and thinking of training, training a horse, so you said, you know, that you stopped just going on circles, but what particularly do you think was the key to getting him being so nappy towards the gate?
0: Uh, Well, one, I changed his bit to good old FM, you know, Mm -hmm. let's turn the face rather than pulling the bit through his mouth. Yes. But also in the training, so I I did a lot of groundwork just getting him to do that response to the Mm -hmm. the shoulder aid and the the leg aid and trail riding. I spent two, three months. I donkeyed him off my stock horse initially and just took him out trail riding him Getting him exposed to different things around my property. Um, Out, I'm very fortunate I've got some reserves near my place. So, taking him out there, having a lovely moment where my stock horse scared an albino wallaby, and he was completely fine. My thoroughbred was fine. And basically, just Giving him variation. Mm-hmm. That was the key mm-hmm. to his training. He he was so smart. He just needed that variation in his day-to-day routine. And even now, I cannot do something two, three weeks. Otherwise, I start. I, I notice him starting to ignore my rein.
1: Yep, yep. All right. Now, that's got to make you proud, just the fact that you've got him over that and you're out competing. Is that your proudest moment with horses or have you got something else that you'd like to tell us about?
0: No, my actual proudest moment is one of my students, and this is a recent because I've had lots of proud moments over the years, Mm -hmm. but most recently I had one student who started riding with me about two years ago now, and she got on the horse and she screamed. Um, A fly landed, and she just was terrified, but she wanted to learn to ride within herself. Um, She was a young girl, and she just desperately wanted to ride. That first lesson she screamed, and she actually entered a local agricultural show in a forty centimeter class a couple of months ago oh, wow and that that was my proud moment in two years. I went from a little girl who was who was terrified to a little girl who now I can't stop her cantering, I can't stop her jumping, she just loves the horses,. Mm,
1: mm. Lovely to see that progress, isn't it, because it's it's oh, it like we were saying before, there's more to horses than riding, that even though you can see the progress in a riding, just her psychological development has come a long way.
0: Oh, it has.
1: Mm-hmm. So thinking, Darlene, about, you know, where you are now because you sort of, you know, you um have got your horses and you're competing and you've got students making great progress. What do you think has been your biggest challenge, you know, and something that you can tell other people that are thinking about becoming a coach? You know, what's what's been a challenge that, you know, you've almost thought, oh, is this for me? Or, yeah, just tell us a bit about, about anything like that.
0: It's the balancing act of life. Mm-hmm. So I am only a part-time coach. I would love to do it full-time, but it's very much a – passion job so you do it out of love as opposed to a big money earner and so for me it's finding that balance I work full-time I coach part-time I'm still learning myself you never stop learning so making sure I'm still learning to be the best person that I can be and also competing I mean you go through the show season especially down here in Tassie you've got a a six-month very you know Hectic schedule and it's, uh, wow, how am I balancing all of this? And that that's <laughs> long days, short yep. nights. <laughs> yep. Yep. That, that's the biggest challenge. And okay. it's a fine balance, but it is also a rewarding balance. Yes,
1: for sure. Okay, now thinking about when you go out to shows, particularly show jumping and you as a coach, yep. I'm sure you'd see a lot of riders, riding courses, riding, warming up, doing exercises, what's a common fault that you see with riders that you can talk about today? And because we also want to know about how to fix it, you know, our listeners are here for their education as well. So what's a common fault and how would you go about fixing it?
0: Uh, one of the things that I, I see more in the practice ring, just before you're going into into the actual class, is people over-jumping their practice jumps. I understand if you're having a couple of issues and you just need to get them over, but I see riders go through jump 10, sometimes 20 jumps just in that practice area, and it's like, oh, was that necessary? You know, is your horse going to be a little bit fatigued? And just that thought process of you've got another three classes today, and if you're doing that in that practice area should you be doing it at that point in time or should that have been a couple of days before and a lesson to work through that issue? Um, So just that ring etiquette uh, I I find is something that I I do probably take note of the most.
1: Mm. Do you think it's um, lack of education on someone's part if they're going to put a horse over that many times, say in their first, you know, the first competition because, as you say, there could be two or three more competitions and that's quite a lot of jumps for a horse, particularly one that may only get ridden on the weekends or not be as fit as what the riders may like to think.
0: I think it's actually a little bit of human nature. Um, oops, sorry, it's gone. ambulance going past. It's, it's human nature. It's, mm-hmm. It could be nerves. They yep. could just be really nervous and want to build their own confidence up. It could be maybe they had a very worrying round prior to that. Maybe they've seen a jump while walking the course and gone, oh, oh I'm a bit worried about that. And so they'll practice and practice and practice. And it may be partly educa- education, but we are very fortunate. There are, some, there are great instructors here in Tassie, and most of them know the right thing. And it's just a reminder going, oh, hey, listen, How's your horse jumping? Yeah, good. Oh, excellent. when When's your class coming up? Oh, shortly it's like, okay, let, let's just walk around and, you know, let's mm. focus on the class coming up. Yes. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay then. So they're very understanding when you do bring it up.
1: Yep, yep. Yes, and sometimes if you do it subtly and do it to educate people rather than to belittle them, that's a much better way of just reminding people about ring etiquette.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Mm. Okay, now. Uh, Darlene, have you got a book that you could recommend for our listeners?
0: Yeah, I've got two books which I've read over the time, and it's mm-hmm. interesting because there's some great books out there with information and technical information. But a couple of the books that I'd, I'd recommend are actually writer biographies, and one of them was Jill Rolton's Free Reign. Mm-hmm. So as we know, Jill Rolton's an inventor who did very well at international level and was represented Australia on the Olympic team. And just reading her story and how she got to where she got was an absolutely fantastic read and inspiring as well as Bev Buckingham. So she's a a Tasmanian jockey. Again, her book's called Beating the Odds. And while she was coming up to become a jockey, she had some particular challenges being a female in a primarily male-dominant world and what she had to do to earn the respect of her fellow colleagues. Again, a very inspiring story.
1: Mm, mm. And both within the horse industry, but um, as you say, the, the autobiography or biography is a bit of a different read and um, get you to know someone just a bit more and facing challenges because sometimes you see people at the top and you think, oh, they've just had it so good and you don't realise the challenges that they've had on the way up.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. They they all face their own issues, demons, challenges, Mm. um, financial woes, personal woes and, yeah, at the end of the day, they are humans and they're facing what you are possibly currently facing, potentially could face or have faced in the past.
1: Yes, yes. And and helps people who are facing that. Just helps them have a bit of a, oh, someone else has already done it. I'm not the first. How did they cope with yes. it? What can I do now? Yes. Yeah. Darlene, what are you looking forward to now? You've got, you know, your horse, your show jumping, your big chestnut thoroughbred. Yes. You've got students at competitions. What what are you looking forward to? What's your plans?
0: Well, with my current horse I, and my ultimate dream is to compete a circuit on the mainland. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, being in, here in Tasmania, I would like to get him to a point doing really well here, but taking him to the mainland and just facing him off against some more horses, different style competitions, different ways of running it, that would be. You know, that's one of my bucket list items is is simply to do that. It's it's not a cheap exercise. It's quite expensive, traveling Mm -hmm. them over on that little bit of water. But then to further develop myself, to become a better instructor, to be able to help people in different ways, looking at different courses, thinking outside the box, so not necessarily horse-related, but could I take a course in assisting people who are slightly disadvantaged, either socially or medically? And... How can I then take that information, bring it back into horse riding and continue to help others? Mm. That's the area I'd like to head into.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Darlene, just your philosophy with horses now, would you be able to sum it up in a couple of sentences?
0: I can never lose sight of why you started riding. Um, Even when you have your highs and your lows, the passion, the love, the friendships you make along the way, um, be kind and keep learning.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something to reflect on, isn't it? You know, losing sight of why you started losing and and always keeping things real. You know, why am I doing this? What is it? Am I still getting out of it what I feel I need to get out of it? And sometimes you just got to stop and reflect and appreciate everything that you are getting out of it.
0: Yes, yeah. And it could be the little wins. Mm. You know, you may have had a a rough couple of weeks, but you get on a a horse and you just go for for a hack out. Yep. And you go, oh, yeah. This is why.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay, Darlene, how can people contact you?
0: So all my contact information is on the Equestrian Australia website under the coaches section. So it's my email address, my mobile phone number. I am based down in Tasmania, in southern Tasmania at that, but all my contact details are on the Equestrian Australia website.
1: And we'll put those details on Horse Chats as well. So it'll be horsechats.com slash Darlene Swamvirre. But it's spelt S-D-A-M-V-U-R, or else just go to horsechats.com and search for Darlene and you'll find those details. Okay, so yes, Darlene, yeah, thank you for talking to us today. I'm enjoying your journey. I have to talk to you a little bit more. I know that you really want to focus on supporting students and getting them more confident and overcoming their personal challenges. So It'll be good to um, to keep talking to you and just follow along for people who are also interested in that. And, um, you know, it's great to, for people to ride and to enjoy their riding and to compete, and that's all part of it. But when they can have those personal challenges and overcome them as well, Stephen, it's, it's like icing on the cake, isn't it?
0: It is, it mm-hmm.
1: is. Okay, thanks, Darlene. No, thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe.